we're back on Y'all Talk With an Accent across the southeast. And we'll be with you now for three hours, bringing you all of what's going on across the 16 southern states. John Rawls, my name. Our text line is 803-816-1170. Would love to get your feedback here on this second day of the work week. We have a very, very busy show ahead Make sure you tune in. We've got an update on Major League Baseball. Boy, it's getting really close this week. It's the final week, by the way, of the regular season. 162 games will be in the book come Sunday for each of the 30 MLB franchises. We'll give you all of that. Plus, what a big day it is in Hotlanta as the Braves have the Phils coming in. Those two teams, one of them, will win the NL East. And I'll bring you all of that information in our sports update. Later this hour, an ACC update. We're going to hear from Dave Clawson, head coach of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. We'll also hear from Dave Doran, head coach of the NC State Wolfpack, as those two teams are in the AP Top 25, and we'll have their thoughts as they have teams on the rise. Sadly, if you're an ACC fan, most of the ACC is not doing very well of late, and we'll bring you all of that as part of our Atlantic Coast Conference football news Later this hour, before the hour is in the books, we have a Southern political report. Hour two today, we've got a look at some of the entertainment headlines. We'll tell you about some of the new series debuting on television here this week. So make sure you stick around for that fun. And we also coming up in hour number two, hey, there are lots and lots of job openings across the South and around the country right now. And if you're out there looking maybe to go get a job interview and you need some tips, well, coming up as part of our Southern Business Spotlight of hour number two, we've got courtesy of the YouTube channel Brightside, five things you should know that hiring professionals use. That's coming up in hour number two. Also squeezed into the fun of hour two, we've got a look at what's at y'all.com. Got some brand new stories that we've just posted Also on today's Y'all Show in Hour 3, we're going to, you know, we love the South here, uh, duh, but we actually want to help all of our Southerners out. And sometimes we here in the South need a escape. And I know it's going to be getting really cold. It's going to get miserable in some places in the South before you know it. And with that in mind, we're going to help you plan out your, your escape to the tropics because travel and leisure has come out with an article, the top 25 resort hotels in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and the Bahamas. And I'm going to share with you all 25 of these resort hotels. Oh, you're going to love them. And oh, they're going to be expensive probably, but oh, it's going to be worth it. That's coming up in hour three as we cruise the south in that hour. Plus, Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on Southern Arts and Entertainment. That's coming up Hour 3. Don't forget, we're presented in part by y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. And if you go there right now, you have got so much stuff awaiting. It is the website that really does package everything going on across the South in one nice, happy place. Our text line again, 803-816-1170. And you can drop us an email. Our email address is mail at y'all.com. Did you realize that y'all, again, is the South's homepage? And we here at the Y'all Show are proud to tell you about it. We want to hear from you. So whether you want to text us at that number or you want to drop us the old-fashioned email, we welcome that. 
We're going to have a political report later in the show, but let me start out this hour with a little bit of news from the heart of Dixie as lawmakers in Alabama are weighing the use of $400 million in pandemic relief funds to build new prisons, a proposal that state Republican leaders say would save state taxpayer money, but that critics in Alabama argue that that money, $400 million, is not intended to be used for those purposes. It's federal aid. So lawmakers this week are scheduled to begin a special session focused on $1.3 billion of prison construction plans, and those are to build at least three new prisons in Alabama and to renovate others throughout the state. The projects will be done in phases and funded with $785 million in a bond issue, $150 million in general fund dollars, and $400 million from the state's $2.2 billion share of the American Rescue Plan funds that the federal government was kind enough to give across the entire country. It, again, being debated in Montgomery this week. What do y'all think? Should Alabama be allowed to use this federal money to build prisons? Governor Kay Ivey and her fellow Republican legislative leaders have defended the use of the virus fund, saying it will enable the state to essentially pay cash for part of the construction and avoid using Alabama's state dollars, as well as paying interest on a loan. As Ivey told reporters, we don't have to borrow quite as much money and pay all that money back. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't live in Alabama. I have lived in Alabama, and if it would save me a taxpayer from having to pay for all these prisons, I guess I might be in support. But what was the money originally intended for? That's the real question. Of course, all this part of the $1. trillion COVID-19 rescue package known as the American Rescue Plan that was signed by President Biden back in March, and it provided a stream of funds to states and cities to recover from the pandemic. The program gives broad discretion to states and cities on how to use the money. So look, I don't think there's anything illegal about what they're proposing. The question is in Montgomery and throughout Alabama, is it okay? And that's why they're getting together, having a nice little powwow in Montgomery, home of the biscuits. And they're going to weigh using these virus funds to build prisons this week. One other story out of Alabama, and it also is a political story. And this one is, mm, I don't know how you would classify it. It's kind of bitter, but it's also kind of a happy story. Jeanette Mansey, she is going to seek a spot on the Mobile Council. The city council is where she wants to be with a position. Now, why does she want to be? She is a mother, and she's 63 years old, Jeanette Manzi. She wants to serve because her late son was a Mobile city councilman. And that's why she wants to serve. She says that she wants to serve out the remainder of her son's term and fight along with him and his memory. Jeanette Manzi says she simply wants to honor her son, LaVon Manzi, as she has throughout his life. LaVon Manzi died September 19th at the age of 38 following a lengthy battle with kidney disease. And he had been a pastor at St. Joseph Missionary Baptist Church in Mobile, where he had been a pastor for three years. And again, at only 38 years old, and a Mobile City Councilman, LaVon Manzi, died earlier this month. And his mama says, the only thing I'm asking is that I would be allowed to finish what LaVon started 
Levon was serious about this position. He loved the city of Mobile. He fought hard for the city of Mobile, and I watched every bit of that. Now, we've seen oftentimes a spouse jump in and maybe fill out a term. We might have even seen a child fill the term of a elected official. But for a mama, in this case, this lady in Mobile, Jeanette, looking on to fill her son Levon's term on the Mobile City Council. Hey, I don't know what the rules of Mobile are, but she's got my vote, and I don't know when his term would end, but what a nice story, and we wish her all the best. And, of course, she's still in grief with the loss of her son, the pastor there in Mobile, Alabama. We will have a whole lot more headlines from across the southeast that we will get to as we continue on with today's Y'all Show. But you know what? We have got to bring you in on the madness of Major League Baseball as it gets ready in just a few days to start its postseason. We'll glance at the latest standings, and we'll also tell you some college sports news as we've got something kind of not so good happening at the University of Florida. Plus, in the sports headlines today, Matt Corral of the Mississippi Landsharks. Oh, He is the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. What's going on in Oxford? We've got all of that as the Y'all Show rolls on on this Tuesday. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive, bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. My second cousin, Calvin and me Loaded down his old blue-green Corvair Headed for the state fair A lot of those state fairs going on this time of year. We're back on y'all And there's a lot of baseball in the air right now as we are in the final week of Major League Baseball's regular season. The postseason begins next week. And let's take a look at the standings, those who have clinched and those who still have a little bit of baseball to play before they can make their postseason plans. So first off, kudos to the Tampa Bay Rays. You're defending American League champions, the Rays, are the class of the AL once again. They ended up capturing the American League East. They have nearly got to 100 wins on the season, and they are going to get into the postseason without a problem 
What a great job. Again, the most wins of any franchise in the American League this year, your Southern-based Tampa Bay Rays. Now, the Rays have some competition as far as who's going to get into this wild card that is available. Let me tell you who else is a champion in the AL Central, the White Sox. What a job. Former Florida State Law School alum Tony LaRusso has done there on the south side as the Sox dominated the Central Division, and they are just a little bit better this year than the Cleveland Indians. Way to go, Sox. And in the NL Central, you can't crown a champion. I'm sorry, the AL West, rather. In the AL West, you can't quite crown a champ, but the Houston Astros are getting mighty close to capturing that division. And if they do that, looks like the Mariners and the Athletics will just come a little short of making it to the postseason. Now, on the National League side of thing, the division that is ultra, ultra close right now, and far as who is going to win a league, or rather a division title, and who's going to be sitting at home munching on popcorn in a couple of days, that would be the NL East, the Braves and the Phillies. Now, they resume today, and they play each other today at Truist Park as the TP hosts this key three-game matchup between the Braves and the Phillies. The Braves have the Phillies in for three games, and then they wrap up the season, and they'll be wrapping up the season at home with a final series. They've got coming up this weekend, I actually thought I had this committed to memory. I think it's the Mets is who they play this weekend in Atlanta at Truist Park. Yeah, it is the Mets. Their last game is mid-afternoon on Sunday. The Phillies, they're on the road the rest of the year for the regular season. Phils in Atlanta, then they go down to Miami to wrap up the season against the Miami Marlins. But right now, the Braves entering this three-game set against the Phils in Cobb County enjoy a two-and-a-half game edge. Now, here's the real question. Not long ago, the Braves ended up having a game at home get canceled, and that was against the Arizona Diamondbacks. There had been so much rain, mostly I think from Ida, when it passed through the South. And so the Braves right now are a game short of having a 162-game season on the books. I don't know what Major League Baseball is going to do. They may force the Braves and the D-backs to play that game pretty soon, if if indeed it matters. I don't know what the rules are. But, boy, it's ultra close in the NL East. It's not so close in the NL Central. Brewers have won that division. What does matter is the Cardinals, and they have been on a tear They have won 16 games in a row. Boy, what a job in St. Louis. And they're a whisker away if they haven't got it already from making it in as a wild card team. Then the fun really gets crazy out in the NL West. The Giants and Dodgers, there is a really razor-thin margin the Giants currently have over the Dodgers. And let me look at the Giants' upcoming schedule. Let's see who they have coming up here in the closing days of the season because this one could swing back to L.A. They wrap up the season. They've got Arizona for a three-game series there in San Francisco. And then they've got the Padres coming in for a three-game series. So they won't be on the road, D-backs and Padres, to wrap up the year for the San Francisco Giants. But a ultra, ultra close race in a couple of these divisions. And that's why Major League Baseball gets real fun this time of year. And we'll be right here again from the NL side as far as the wild card goes. It appears that the St. Louis Cardinals 
And then whoever doesn't win that NL West crown, who ends up in second place, are going to be your two teams representing the wild card from the National League. It's, and, and the NL East winner makes it in. The loser is done for the year. That's what is setting up here because the Reds are the only other team that possibly could catch up. And I just don't see the Cardinals losing several in a row. And congratulations to St. Louis. They won when it mattered most, but it's still not official official, if you know what I mean. The wild card on the American League side of thing, it's really, really razor thin. The Yankees and Red Sox, if it were to end today, they would make it. The Blue Jays, Mariners, and Athletics still have a fighting chance to make it into the postseason if need be. Again, those three teams that need wins and other teams to lose, and they just might get a wild card is the Blue Jays, Mariners, and the Oakland Athletics right now, Yankees and Red Sox, both from the AL East. In fact, the Blue Jays from the AL East, what a great division that's been this year in Major League Baseball. A quick look at NFL news. Josh Norman, who played his college ball here in the South and helped the New England Patriots to a Super Bowl title, the San Francisco 49ers cornerback has been released from a hospital after he got a bruised lung and the 49ers lost to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday evening. He's back with the team after he had to spend a night in the hospital. His injury happened early in that second quarter when he took a helmet to the chest. He ended up spitting up blood, and an examination revealed he had some fluid in his lungs, that according to head coach Kyle Shanahan. But he returned to the team on Monday, took part in meetings, and according to Norman, considered day-to-day There's a chance he could actually play this week against the Seahawks if he passes the necessary tests. But we wish him all the best, Josh Norman, who's been quite a defensive playmaker during his time in the NFL. Never, never a good thing to see a player spitting up blood and to have injuries galore. This is a Greenwood, South Carolina native who played his college ball, probably the greatest player in the history of Coastal Carolina to date, although that's quickly changing. The Chanticleers, man, they're putting some good players there in O'Ree County. He went on and played at Coastal Carolina before getting drafted, in, and that was when Coastal Carolina was an FCS team in the Big South Conference, for goodness sake. The Greenwood, South Carolina native played for a few years with the Panthers and then went on to play with the Redskins, Bills, and this is his first year with the San Francisco 49ers. I think he's a big horse guy. He's got, like, horses that he has at his Charlotte area home, assuming he still lives in the Charlotte area in the off season. Josh Norman, we wish him all the best and get well, and you just might see him back on the gridiron this weekend when the 49ers suit up again. We've got more talk about the South coming up. We've got ACC talk. It's an Atlantic Coast Conference update. We've got some audio coming in from Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson, and we also have some audio from Dave Doran, head coach of the nationally ranked NC State Wolfpack, which had a big win over Clemson over the weekend. ACC talk up next on the Y'all Show. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. 
Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. The Y'all Show continues. It is time now for a little ACC talk on this Tuesday edition. And how about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in the top 25? Dave Clawson is the head coach of the Angry Clergyman. And we've got some audio following Wake's big conference win at Virginia this past weekend. Congratulations all you Deacon fans. And Wake Forest is one of only about two good stories going on in the ACC right now as it's kind of lean pickings for ACC fans with only three teams ranked. One of those three teams, the Clemson Tigers. Clemson checks in at number 25. Of course, this past weekend, Dabo Sweeney's Tigers went down in defeat to the NC State Wolfpack. The Wolfpack barely in the top 25, but they are in the polls this week. So it is not the best of times for the Atlantic Coast Conference, but we're going to do our best to talk you through what's going on in Atlantic Coast Conference football. First off, a recap from last week as the Deacons did go to Charlottesville and they won 37-17. to Armstrong was the leader in that game and it was a very, very good day for Wake Forest there against the Hoos. Liberty went to Syracuse, and Syracuse defeated Hugh Freeze's team 24-21. On Saturday, that big game there at Carter-Finley Stadium, it was a double overtime affair, but in the end, the NC State Wolfpack pulling out the 27-21 double overtime win over, at that time, number 9 Clemson. And it's the first victory in about eight years NC State's had over their textile bowl rival, And what a thrilling game this was. I don't know about y'all, but I tuned into most of this game. I really really kind of assumed it would be one of Saturday's best games, and that did not disappoint. It was a thrilling win. NC State, their kicker, poor guy, he missed three field goals in this game. He missed a field goal there at the end of regulation that would have won the game in regulation. A chip shot field goal, and it went off to the left. I think his other two kicks went off to the left. So they had to go into overtime. They had to go into a second overtime. And NC State had just one of the most beautiful pass connections you'll see. And that was enough to get the victory over Clemson. And it was a costly victory for rather a costly defeat for the Clemson Tigers. I'll tell you more on that in a second. 
NC State picks up the big win over Clemson. Georgia Tech, man, what a great win for Jeff Collins' program. They went down the street to Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and they played a neutral site contest Saturday night against the Hills, and Georgia Tech picked up the convincing 45-22 victory over Mac Brown's, at that time, top 25 North Carolina Tar Heels. Boston College had an impressive win against the SEC's Missouri Tigers. This game went into overtime. Did y'all see Missouri's kick to send this one to overtime? I think Missouri was kind of a prelude to what the Baltimore Ravens did on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. It wasn't quite 66 yards, but the Mizzou kicker, I think his kick was about 56 yards, and it was just enough to go through the uprights. And Missouri sent this game there in Chestnut Hill to OT. In the overtime period, the Eagles prevail 41-34. Pittsburgh destroyed the University of New Hampshire 77-7. Virginia Tech took care of FCS member Richmond 21-10. Miami destroyed FCS member Central Connecticut State 69-0. Duke got the victory over Kansas. Kansas still is suffering. They did get a victory to start the season, but the Jayhawks go down to the Blue Devils 52-33 there at Wallace Wade Stadium. And lastly, a game that I thought would happen this way, Louisville defeats Florida State 31-23. Mike Norvell's Knowles are winless. They are 0-4, first time since the early 70s. I think it's first time since Bobby Bowden was brought in to help out with this program. Uh, I think that might have been the last year of the predecessor to Bowden there when FSU started out 0-4. Louisville, congratulations to Satterfield's Redbirds, 31-23 from Doak Campbell Stadium. Some ACC news to pass along. Miami coach Manny Diaz defending the University of Miami's administration and their commitment to football after some criticism. Now, Kirk Herbstreit, the guy that works on College Game Day on ESPN, he questioned that commitment during the broadcast that he had on Saturday. And comments that went viral made their way to Manny Diaz. Herb Street questioned whether the U's athletic department was willing to make changes to support football. Nothing there remained ongoing problems that have kept the U from being a national power over the last decade. Now, on Monday, Manny Diaz opened up his weekly press conference on Zoom with a statement pushing back on those comments from Herb Street, noting that the president of the University of Miami, Julio Frank, led the charge for the season to move forward during the coronavirus pandemic, saying that would be a strong take for someone that really didn't seem that interested in athletics. Diaz also pointed out the improvements the Hurricanes have made to their facilities. That includes building a new indoor practice facility and new dorms, with a project to renovate the locker room up next. He also acknowledged the uneven playing field throughout college athletics when it comes to revenues and resources, According to Diaz, there will always be somebody with more resources. That's not a Miami problem. That's a college football program with a capital P that no one wants to really talk about. But our best resource here at the University of Miami has always been our people. All right, Manny Diaz standing up for his program again, Herb Street. I don't know what led him to go off on the U other than the fact that Miami right now isn't exactly tearing it up on the gridiron and they had gone into this weekend, this past weekend's game against Central Connecticut State, kind of kind of trending downward with losses to both Alabama and Michigan State thus far in the season. Florida State, boy, if you thought things were tough in Coral Gables, how about what's going on in the state capital 
of Tallahassee. The Knowles under Mike Norvell, 0-4. The Seminoles' worst start since 1974. And right now he's getting a lot of questions. And the program's getting a lot of bad press about it. But Norvell defended his program when he had the question asked in front of him at his weekly press conference. And Norvell said he would not compromise the standards he's laying out for his players or his vision for FSU's future. Now, he spoke for more than three minutes not only about what he's looking for with incoming players, but what he has seen inside the current FSU locker room. Norvell, and I'll try to clean this up, he said, quote, I'm pissed off that we're 0-4, and we can bring up how many years it's been. I can't control that. I can control this team at this moment and right now with the opportunity. So we're going to work our butts off to get better, and we're going to do it the right way. And we're going to have a standard, how we operate, the same standard of everything that we do. I'm going to hold myself to it because I've got to be the example. Does that mean I'm not going to make a mistake? I'll probably make a mistake. Might make one today, might make one tomorrow, but I will respond to that. That's the team I want because I've seen it work. And to his credit, he did do an amazing job with the Memphis Tigers. But right now, FSU is, <laughs> they're in a bad spot. FSU has lost three of its games by just one score. And this past weekend, they lost 31-23 to Louisville, right in front of the home crowd. Norvell admitted, if I were a fan, that I would be pissed off at what, what's going on. But yes, unfortunately for FSU fans, it is a tough go of it. However, good news, Florida State. You got Syracuse coming on Saturday. FSU hosting that game at Dote Campbell, Bobby Bowden Field. I would think they should be the victorious team in this one. If they lose to Syracuse, yeah, there's going to be even more pee-offed people. <laughs> in the Sunshine State. Brian Breesey out for the season with a torn ACL. He is a Clemson defensive tackle. He went down in that loss, the 27-21 setback to NC State in Raleigh this past weekend, a loss that has sent Clemson from number 9 to number 25 in the latest AP poll. And Breesey, not the only Clemson player to get dinged up in that loss there in the state capital of North Carolina, running back Will Shipley, the native North Carolinian in his first game playing there in the state capital. He got hurt in the game. Also, linebacker James Skalski, he went out with a shoulder injury in this loss to the Clemson Tigers. So, yeah, you're going to have a lot of guys rehabbing there in Tigertown, and that follows what Tyler Davis, what happened to him. He could be out two months with a bicep injury, as he did not play in the NC State game. I guess he got dinged up in the game prior. And so you've got a lot of guys who are missing on the Clemson, both sides of the ball, frankly. That's going to make it difficult for Clemson to to bounce back. But I did see, I was watching the morning show on the ACC Network. I guess that's called uh, Packer and Durham, I think is what it's called. And I was watching that this week. And they were discussing Clemson's schedule. They were looking at the way this thing breaks out. And Clemson, of course, has, I think I saw a 9% chance they can make it into the college football playoff with their current two losses. But there's still a chance, even with a 9% chance. So is Clemson going to turn this thing around? Is Clemson going to run the tables and perhaps get into 
the ACC championship game. Well, they've only got the one ACC loss, and that's to State. So State could lose two more times in conference play and Clemson not lose any more, and the Tigers would then be back in Charlotte representing the Atlantic Division. But Clemson's remaining games, they've got this weekend the Boston College Eagles coming into Death Valley. That should be a Tiger win. They play at Syracuse. Tricky game. Clemson's lost there in recent years, but I would expect that would be a Clemson victory. They play at Pitt. They play Florida State at home. They've got Louisville. They play UConn. If they can't beat UConn, they need to shut the program down. They also have Wake Forest. Now, this is a tricky game. Wake Forest ranked number 24 in the latest AP poll. Congratulations to the Deacons. But Wake has to go to Clemson, South Carolina for this game. That's their remaining ACC play. Their only other game is the finale of the year in Columbia, taking on the South Carolina Gamecocks on November 27th. I would say, looking at that, Clemson is favored in every single one of those games. I don't see them being challenged all that much in any of these games. Now, does that mean does that mean they're going to win? I would say the the worst game they've got, and I won't tell you the opponent. I would say they've got a sixty percent chance of winning it. But I would say Clemson fans, I wouldn't be tearing up your championship celebration plans just yet. Yeah, you, you still have a lot to play for. And with the crazy world of college football, you just might find yourself back in the college football playoff with two losses, by the way. But, yeah, right now, Clemson fans, they did not have the way this thing – the way it's shaking out. They did not have this plan the way they do. Of course, one of those games Clemson's going to have a hard time with comes up later in the year when they face off against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in the ACC finale on November 20th. Dave Clawson, he's done a heck of a job in Winston-Salem – and this past weekend, the Deeks went up to Charlottesville and walked out of there victorious on a Friday night winning 37-17. Clawson spoke to the media about his team's great win after that win. Let's go hear him, the veteran coach, talk about his Deacon football team. It'd be really um, it'd be hard to find fault right now with how we're executing on offense. And so we just got to keep our edge, Connor. We've got a nice run pass balance, you know, if you look at the game, you know, they, they had a lot more, they had more yards than us, but all their rushing yards were at the end of the drive when we were playing prevent, you know, so we've got good balance. We rushed the ball for over 200 yards. We threw it for 270. Um, and we're able to, to do what we need to do. All right. Dave Clawson, head coach of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, that in the moments after his team got the big victory against the Virginia Cavaliers. Another Dave in the ACC, his team got a big victory in ACC play, and that was Dave Doran, head coach of the NC State Wolfpack, the pack at home against Louisiana Tech this weekend. Let's go and hear his weekly press conference where he got a question about all those Wolfpack fans running out on the field at Carter-Finley Stadium. I don't know what the fine would be, Todd, but it's worth it. You know, I thought it was awesome. And uh, I'm sure there's a donor out there that <laughs> will help us out if we need him to. But uh, I thought it was a great environment. It was awesome for the kids. And that was a special moment at NC State. You know, and if you don't allow people to celebrate in special moments, I don't know what we're doing. That the coach of the Wolfpack, Dave Doran, his pack now rebounding after that thrilling running out on the field type victory over Clemson. They've got 
Louisiana Tech. Not quite as exciting, but Tech comes in for a game this weekend. As far as what's on schedule for the ACC this fifth weekend of college football, it starts on Thursday. Thursday night matchup features Virginia at Miami. Saturday's games, Pitt is going to be in Atlanta to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. That's an ACC network kick starting at 12 noon. Duke and North Carolina renew their victory bell rivalry. Louisville will be at Wake Forest. That's an early game, 1230 Eastern, 1130 Central there from Truist Field. Syracuse and FSU, the mid-afternoon matchup on the ACC network. The Bulldogs of La Tech in Raleigh to take on NC State. And the last game of the ACC schedule for Saturday, it's your primetime affair on the ACC network. Clemson hosts the Boston College Eagles. And that is a look at what's going on from a college football ACC perspective for all of us getting ready for the fifth week of the season. When the Y'all Show returns, we will take you to what's going on across the southeast of the country and we'll specialize on politics. It's a Southern Political Report and it is up next, y'all. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Closing out this first hour of our show about the Southeast, it's time now for a little political talk on our Southern Political Report. And we're going to hear from Donald Trump as he was in Perry, Georgia over the weekend. And boy, did he go off on Georgia's sitting governor, a Republican, Brian Kemp, by the way. I'm going to let you hear some of that exchange there in front of a large crowd in central Georgia. That's coming up here in just a minute. But first, we start out this political report with a look at Donald Trump's fellow Republicans in Washington, D.C., they're set to block a bill to avert a government shutdown and lift the debt ceiling. Now, Democrats lack the necessary 10 Republican votes to avoid a filibuster on legislation that will keep the government doors open past Thursday of this week. And now Republicans under the direction of Glenn McConnell of Kentucky are poised to sink the plans from the Dems to fund the government and raise the debt ceiling sending congressional leaders scrambling right now to avoid this shutdown that would start Thursday and would kick in Friday morning. The Republicans are set to reject this proposal to fund the government into December and lift the debt ceiling past next year's midterms. I thought we had grown old and would never 
put our country back in jeopardy again with another government shutdown. This is a terrible, terrible tactic. Both sides use this tactic, and I thought this was something that we wouldn't be talking about again. But right now, all these senators get all the attention right now when there's a government shutdown potentially looming. Earlier this week, President Joe Biden got a booster shot for COVID. His dose was administered as the White House press pool observed and asked questions. Hey, he he actually took questions from the press as Biden got a booster shot of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine on Monday, and he pushed the concept that all Americans do the same. And yeah, so President Biden there in his late 70s getting this booster shot. I wonder if this thing's supposed to help fight off the flu. The president saying the bottom line is you're fully vaccinated and highly protected now from severe illness. Even if you get COVID-19, you're safe and we're doing, going to do everything we can to keep it that way with the boosters. So you can finally go out and tell everybody Joe Biden's finally got boosters. Yeah. His second dose, by the way, came all the way back on January 11th. His first dose came just before Christmas. And so he is fully vaccinated and then some President Joe Biden getting that booster shot Monday. Now let's take you to some more regional stuff within the regional. And right now in the Commonwealth of Virginia, they're getting ready for a governor's race. And we've got some polling coming in from the Commonwealth. And right now, former Governor Terry McAuliffe has a very narrow lead over Republican newcomer Youngkin in this race. In a poll, 48% of registered voters said they'd support McAuliffe. 43% said they'd back the Republican Glenn Youngkin. This is a poll out from Monmouth University. So it's a it's a pretty close race. Not exactly what you'd expect in the Commonwealth of Virginia as they jockey for position here in a few weeks. Virginians go into the poll to elect their governor. Of course, in Virginia, they have governors that only serve one four-year term. They can come back later and run again, as the case is with McAuliffe, as he seeks. I guess there's only been one other governor that I'm aware of that's come back and been re-elected governor, but that's what he's looking to do right now in the Commonwealth of Virginia over Yunkin, a businessman turned Republican candidate for governor of that state. Over the weekend in Perry, Georgia, Donald Trump had a Save America rally, and that was right there in the central Georgia city of Perry, Georgia. And the Trump campaign putting, or I won't say campaign, the Trump army, if you will, putting on this big event, not all that far from Macon, Georgia. And it was mostly on Saturday evening when the president, his crowd was fired up to hear from the 45th president. Now he was in Georgia and he was in Georgia bashing the current Republican governor of that state, Brian Kemp. And we've got some audio of the Save America rally from Perry, Georgia, where President Trump doesn't hold back when he goes after Brian Kemp, Republican governor of Georgia, mainly because, of course, Kemp didn't do in enough in his opinion and Trump's opinion to help look through some of the claims of voter fraud in the peach state. Here is some audio from that rally on Saturday night. And he was in last place doing poorly. And I made the mistake. I, I listened to this gentleman who's a great guy, actually. And I said, uh, how well do you know him? Well, 
Did he ever say anything bad about me? You know, when they say bad things about me, I have a tendency not to endorse them. Okay. Sometimes I do because it's better than a Democrat, right? But I said, did he ever say anything bad? We checked and it was nothing bad. You know, he hadn't been too deep into politics, I guess. Otherwise, he probably would have. But he didn't say anything bad. I said, you know what? I'll endorse him. I endorse Brian Kemp. The primary was like immediately following the endorsement, immediately. And he won. He ends up going from last place or just about last place to winning in a landslide. Then I had to get him past good old Stacy. I had to get her past Stacy. He got it. He said, sir, and we had, I guess, two rallies. One had 52,000 people. One had 49,000 people. The big monster rallies at the airport because no arena could hold the people. And they weren't there for him. They were there for me. And Stacey Abrams, who still has not conceded. And that's okay. Stacey, would you like to take his place? It's okay with me. She still has not conceded. But we had... (laughs) But we had, just so you understand, we had the most incredible rallies. The most incredible rallies. And I said, Brian, you're going to win. Oh, I don't think so. No, you're going to win. I'm telling you. And he ended up winning by like two points, right? And then when I called him about election integrity, it's like, I'm sorry, sir. I can't do that. I said, no, no. No. Yeah, actually, it was very interesting. I called uh, my people. I said, you know, we got to find out what happened with this election because there's something wrong with this election, as you obviously know, and has been covered by other than the fake news has been covered pretty, pretty good. But if these guys would come back, young guys, sir, uh, we spoke to Governor Kemp. Sir, he will not do anything on election integrity. I said, no, you can't. Don't just call him again. No, I mean, maybe he never got the message. They come back the next day, sir, Governor Kemp won't do anything on election integrity. Remember, we wanted to call a special election so that we could go, Marjorie, so we could go into election integrity. What is wrong with that? And he said, no, we won't. And I think the governor is the only one that can call it, right? And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. So when these guys, they're young and nice guys, they came back. They said, he won't do it. So I said, let me handle it. This is easy. You know, I got this guy elected. One thing has nothing to do with the other. One thing has nothing. There's no quid pro quo. You remember that word from the fake Ukraine deal? The fake Ukraine. We had Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. They were both fake deals, okay? I got impeached twice on fake news. But I said to these young people, let me handle it. I was going to show them how good I am. Let me handle it. I'll call him up. I said, Brian, listen, you know, you have a big election integrity problem in Georgia. I hope you can help us out and call a special election. And let's get to the bottom of it for the good of the country. Let's get to the bottom of it for the good of your state. Let's go. Election integrity. What could be better than that? Sir, I'm sorry. I I cannot do that. I said, whoa. I said, you cannot do that. And that's why, let me tell you, this guy's a disaster. All right, there you had President Trump right there in Brian Kemp's state of Georgia saying that the sitting Republican governor is a disaster. Now, I wouldn't say the crowd there jumped up and cheered when he said that. They're probably a little shocked. Frankly, Brian Kemp has stood up for President Trump on a lot of stuff, but 
he, he did not stand up when President Trump called him to try to help him out, as President Trump just complained about. All right. We thought you might miss hearing from Donald J. Trump, the Florida resident. There's your Donald Trump info. Hour two of y'all coming up after this. Back for hour two of the show that covers all things from Alabama to West Virginia, from A to WV. That's what we do here. I'm John Rawl. I'm the general of all things Southern. Hope y'all are having a wonderful Tuesday. We got you covered here on the show about the South with all kinds of news and sports and entertainment. And we've got, oh, so much good stuff coming. We've got an update on y'all.com. What's up to the homepage of the South? We just posted a brand new story about a great spot of Western North Carolina. I'm going to tell you about that before the hour is up. Also here in the second hour, a look at entertainment news from across Hollywood and throughout all of the land. Also, we've got an update on sports. And then we've got a really, really helpful article as part of our Southern Business Spotlight. As Brightside on YouTube has posted up five things you should know that hiring professionals use. So let's say because of all these people looking for people to come in and work jobs right now, you might need to go put on a nice suit or a nice dress and go have a job interview. Well, there are some things that these hiring professionals are going to be looking for And thanks to Brightside on YouTube and their channel, we're going to share that with you as part of our Southern Business Spotlight. All that's ahead here in hour number two. If you would like to get involved with the show about the South, we've got several ways for you to do that. We've got an 803 number to call. It's 803-816-1170. That's a number you can text anytime you are able to. We'd love to get your feedback here on y'all. We also have the Y'all Show available in podcast form. We're available on the Apple Podcast app. We're available on the iHeart app, on TuneIn Radio app. We're available on Stitcher and Spotify. And yeah, we're at right there at y'all.com, the South's homepage. We try to make it extremely easy for you to find out what's going on across the Southeast And all you got to do is go to y'all.com and find the website about the South. And then at that website, right there at the top, you'll see a tab that says Y'all Show. And if you click on that, you'll be linked to not only our great podcast of the show, but we also have done a lot of video interviews that are part of and kind of packaged into what you're listening to right now. And you can watch those interview elements of the Y'all Show right there on the Y'all Show page at y'all.com. Keeping you in the loop of all things Southern. That's what we're doing, and we strive to do it in a wonderful, wonderful way. And we couldn't do it without our wonderful, wonderful listeners, viewers, subscribers, followers, all the people out there across the Southeast. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Hey, with that in mind, let me tell you about Matthew McConaughey as we start off this hour with a entertainment report. McConaughey is currently measuring a gubernatorial run in the state of 
Texas. Matthew McConaughey, the actor, the Dallas Buyers Club actor, the actor of all kinds of things, including, I mean, I love uh, U571. I love him in that movie. If you haven't seen that great World War II flick, you should. The Texas native in a recent episode of the Set It Straight Myths and Legends podcast said he's, quote, measuring the idea after members of the country band Midland said he should run for office in Texas. <laughs> well, if Midland says he should run, and I think they're the guys who host Set It Straight Myths and Legends, yeah, he said he's measuring. Does he have to have a tape measure out to do this? Now, over the last year, McConaughey has played with the idea of running for governor of Texas. Now, here is his quote to the host. He replied, well, thank you, man. I'm measuring it. Look, it's going to be in some capacity. I just, I'm more of a folksy and philosopher, poet, statesman than I am a per se definitive politician. But he went on to say, so I go, well, that's a reason not to. But then I go, no, that's exactly why you should, because politics needs redefinition. But I'm measuring, you know, what is my category? What's my embassy? Hmm. Again, anytime this guy speaks, he gets a little philosophical. He gets a little intellectual. I think he's been a little bit on the wacky weed, I think. McConaughey, if he, de- if he decides to run, Matthew McConaughey is going to be facing off on the Democratic side in a primary against Beto O'Rourke, as this guy just recently announced he's going to be running on the Democratic side, the former congressman from the El Paso area, a guy that was trying to run for president in 2020 on the Democratic side. Greg Abbott, of course, will be the Republican, the incumbent on that side of the aisle. So Matthew McConaughey speaking about possibly running for governor of Texas. And uh, what do y'all think? Maybe we should start a poll here on the Y'all Show. Should Matthew McConaughey, Mr. All right, all right, all right, should he run for governor of Texas? Survey says... Why not? Why not? I mean, the guy is pretty hardcore Texan. I do like the fact that he's a he's a celebrity, and he's thinking about doing something, and guess what? He's in the place he needs to be. He's not going to be carpetbagging his way to office like a Hillary Clinton who had never lived in New York when she decided to all of a sudden go in and move and become the senator of that state before she became a secretary of state. And you've also, I mean, Tommy Tuberville, the current Alabama senator, U.S. senator from Alabama, he's a carpetbagger. I I was just talking to one of his former players who essentially confirmed that Tommy Tuberville, for most of the last decade or more, has spent most of his time not hanging out in the heart of Dixie. He's been hanging out in the heart of Destin, as he's more of a Floridian than an Alabamian. But Alabamians voted for him. I may have some audio of Matthew talking about this measurement that he's discussing in his consideration of running for Texas governor. Let's see if this thing is queued up at the right spot. Not asking. It's a true consideration. A true consideration. All right, that's not exactly what I was looking for. You know, Matthew McConaughey, I, I can say this. He's a, he's a good-looking guy when he, when he wants to be. But, boy, he really doesn't mind getting out in public looking pretty rough. And I'm not a lady. It's probably not fair for me to judge, but this guy, sometimes he looks like he just rolled out of bed when he does a lot of these interviews. 
Now, I know the uh, passage of time is a, is a ticket for him, me, and all of us. And I know he's not 20 years old in acting in some of these films, but sometimes he's got the wet hair look. And I don't know, is that sexy these days? Maybe he's trying to bring that into some kind of cool category. But right now, the big story out of Austin, McConaughey measuring a Texas gubernatorial run. Let's take you to the north side of the Red River. Oklahoma is where Tiger King was originally filmed. And guess guess what, y'all? Netflix has announced Tiger King 2 coming to its streaming service. The first season of the series, Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness, was told over seven episodes. This second season was filmed in 2020 and into an early portion of this year. Not known right now which of the colorful characters from the first season are going to be featured in season two, but a release from Netflix on social media at Netflix, Tiger King is coming back this year, and season two promises just as much mayhem and madness as season one. Directors Eric Good and Rebecca Chalkin told the story of Joe Exotic, or Joseph Maldonado Passage, who kept tigers, lions, and other big cats in Oklahoma. This docuseries explored a murder-for-hire plot against Carol Baskin, a woman who ran a facility called Big Cat Rescue, and she ended up lobbying to shut down the facilities like the one this man managed. Baskin was able to finance her battle through the fortune she inherited from her late husband, who disappeared under mysterious circumstances. In January 2020, Exotic was sentenced to 22 years in federal prison after being convicted of trying to hire two different men to kill Baskin. Back in July, a federal appeals court ruled he should get a shorter prison sentence. But Joe Exotic, more of him coming. And one thing that made Tiger King what it was, was coronavirus. This thing hit Netflix right when it kind of came out. And that was one of the first big kind of things people got into, if you'll remember, March, April of 2020. That was the hot thing at the time. Hey, have you seen this thing called Tiger King? And you know what? I hate to admit it, but I don't mind admitting it because I'm actually proud. (laughs) I have never seen it and don't plan to see season one. And I don't plan on seeing season two when it comes out. So there, take that, Tiger King. You know what? I do plan to see some of the stuff that's about to debut as we've got the calendar of the returning shows on TV as we've got sweeps going on. We've got all these things debuting, many of which have already debuted. We've already seen earlier this week The Good Doctor and its debut on ABC. We've also seen The Simpsons back on Fox, as well as Bob's Burgers on that network. And I can tell you, coming up later in the week on the 30th, that would be, what, Thursday night? you got Station 19 making its debut on ABC, The Return of Grey's Anatomy on ABC, and I guess it's a big debut night on ABC. I guess they don't have football on Thursday night, so they can make these big debuts. Big Sky returns, or is I don't even know what the history of this series is, but Big Sky, its 2021 debut, is on ABC Thursday. Now, coming up in the month of October, of course, will be here on Friday. If you want to tune in Friday, they got some good stuff Friday night. Blue Bloods, its debut on CBS. How about Magnum P.I.? That's debuting on CBS. How cool is that? The old Tom Selleck series, 
back on CBS. And it may have already been there, but I, I haven't seen it. And SWAT also makes its debut October 1st. On Sunday, Call the Midwife debuts on PBS. And then next week, Tough as Nails, that debuts on CBS October 6th. Young Sheldon, that's returns CBS, the new series or new new season on October 7th. And Bull is back on CBS October 7th. So that's a look at some of your kind of what's going on TV-wise for all of you who are into series watching and maybe some binge watching if you have some of the premium services out there that's available to you. That's a quick look at the entertainment scene here on Y'all. When we come back, we will switch over to the sports world and give you all that's going on with baseball. Major League Baseball's closing week of the regular season is right now. We have that. We have college football. We will try to tell you a little NFL talk as well. We'll mix it all in with a Southern Sports Blast, and that's up next. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Continuing with the Y'all Show, where we accentuate the South. John Rawl, good to have you back here. And let's fill you in on some of the sports happening across the Southland today. And we start off with the Kansas City Chiefs of the NFL, as they are set to sign newly reinstated wide receiver Josh Gordon to the practice squad. Not getting a chance to come on to the big table quite yet. But yet they are set to sign and they need help. Kansas City is one and two and at the bottom of the AFC West. This former all pro wide receiver Gordon 
was recently informed that he is being reinstated and is planning to sign with the Chiefs. As he flew to KC on Monday, he's expected to be signed to the practice squad with the expectation that the promotion to the active roster will follow just down the road. Now, Gordon had several teams contact him and express interest in signing him. The Chiefs have been searching for a wide receiver who can play every down along with Tyreek Hill, and that's after they lost Sammy Watkins to free agency in the spring. And I can't remember where Watkins went, but did he go to the Ravens? I know he was in a highlight from Sunday's game, Sammy Watkins, the former Clemson star. But, yes, it looks like Gordon is going to have a chance to get back into the NFL. He was suspended indefinitely in December of 2019 for violations of the league's policies on substance abuse and performance-enhancing substances. And that was his sixth suspension since the 2013 season and his fifth for some form of substance abuse. And this guy gets another chance. I know he didn't play in 2020, but again, this is a guy who had once led the NFL in receiving. That was in 2013 when he had over 1,600 yards in receptions. And Josh Gordon getting another chance, in this case, to a somewhat struggling Kansas City Chiefs team who perhaps can turn things around. And this Sammy Watkins thing's getting on my nerves. I, yeah, he is with the Ravens. I thought, I thought, I think he's the guy that caught that pass Lamar Jackson threw on like a fourth and whatever, fourth and forever, when there was just a handful of seconds left in the clock and they were way down in their own territory. And I think it was a Watkins catch around midfield that Lamar Jackson was able to go up, spike the ball. I think that's what he did. And then they had the subsequent longest kick in the history of the NFL go through 66 yards. That should never have happened. Did y'all see what happened? I'm surprised there's not more about this. I think it's being covered up by the NFL because it looks bad. But over a second, probably two seconds after the delay, the play clock went down, there should have been a delay of game flag thrown on the Ravens. And that should have backed them up five yards, of which they would never even have attempted a field goal if it would have been pushed back five yards further. It would have been a 71-yard kick. And that's not going to happen. And they did not call it. As good as the NFL tries to be and as fair as they try to be, they completely blew that one by not blowing a whistle. Shame on the NFL. I think there was an, another game that also had a questionable NFL officiating deal. Maybe every single game from the weekend was like that. But, yes, that's the news out of Kansas City. Now, some news out of the NFC. The Panthers made a big move on Monday. They got rid of a guy that I was kind of excited to see take over, perhaps bring in the kind of skill set to Charlotte that someone like a Greg Olson had at tight end. The Panthers traded Dan Arnold. Maybe they got tired of yelling out Dan Arnold, and then at the same time somebody would yell Sam Darnold. Arnold to Darnold. A little bit, a little bit confusing. Well, guess what? Matt Rule, you don't have to be so confused anymore. The Panthers traded Dan Arnold, the one-time New Orleans Saints tight end, trading him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Panthers, in return, get cornerback C.J. Henderson and a fifth-round pick from the Jags. They end up sending Arnold south along with a third-round pick. 
and all this being done primarily by the Panthers because they are confident that they can make the playoffs and maybe have a nice playoff run this year. Remember, the Carolina Panthers right now are on top of the NFC South, a division that's got the Saints, the Buccaneers, and the Falcons. And it's your Carolina Panthers from the South. All, all of those teams, by the way, from the South. But the Panthers are 3-0. and Got a great Thursday night win last week at Houston. And in that victory, they lost two players. They lost Christian McCaffrey. And from what I'm seeing, his health is better than expected. Probably going to miss out if that's not been already announced. He probably will miss out on the game at Dallas this week. Could be back for the Panthers-Eagles game on October 10th. Still in the air. But they definitely lost for what looks like the rest of the season cornerback J.C. Horn, the Panthers' first-round draft pick. He was the eighth selection overall out of the University of South Carolina as he broke multiple bones in his right foot. And Panthers coach Matt Rule said that Horn elected to have surgery and ended up being placed on injured reserve on Monday. So to help strengthen that defense, which – some say might be the best defense in the NFL if you've seen them play in these three games. And I know the opponents may not be the Rams and they may not be the Bucks that they played thus far, but boy, they got a very aggressive and fast defense. And losing J.C. Horn, although a rookie, boy, that was a tough blow for the Carolina Panthers. And to help out, they're bringing in Jacksonville Jaguar cornerback C.J. Henderson. Now, if you're not familiar with Mr. Henderson. He is a Florida native, played at Christopher Columbus High School, went on to play for the Gators. He was picked in the 2020 draft ninth overall in the first first round. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's had a, I would say, questionable career thus far. And it's primarily because of injuries. As he did play, had some very good performances for the Jacksonville Jaguars. In fact, In his season opening game, his first game as an NFL player, he started, he got five tackles and had an interception, picked off Phillip Rivers and returned it for 22 yards. I'm not sure if that was a pick six or not, but he ended up getting NFL Rookie of the Week. That was the only victory, by the way, Jacksonville had in that 2020 season. But he was traded Monday to the Carolina Panthers, and they're trying to beef up that defense now that J.C. Horn appears to most likely be done for the entire year. Now, what about Dan Arnold? I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in Jacksonville. Remember, the Jags made history, or I won't say made history, although it probably will go in the history books, for what they were trying to do in the offseason at the tight end position. They brought in a guy named Tim Tebow to potentially be a tight end for this franchise. Urban Meyer loves that tight end position, and Arnold had had a, a – pretty good career I mean I said he was with the Saints he was but actually for the last year and a half or so he's been out in the desert playing for the Cardinals then the Panthers brought him in in the offseason and he signed a two-year contract back in March and caught seven passes for 84 yards thus far in 2021 but now he's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar and maybe just maybe Trevor Lawrence will have a better time finding Dan Arnold out there on those short passes. Maybe he'll do a great job blocking and more. By the way, love these guys from these schools you haven't heard of. As Dan Arnold, 
played his college football for the University of Wisconsin Platteville Go You Pioneers. Their mascot, Pioneer Pete, for this school located in Wisconsin. Dan Arnold making his way all the way to the NFL. Now, as of the Monday trade, with his fourth NFL team. Let's talk about a former Florida Gator, not player, as is the case here with the trade from Monday involving C.J. Henderson. Let's talk about a former coach, Cam Newbauer. A former Florida Gator women's basketball coach, Newbauer, is now accused of creating a toxic environment during his tenure, and that toxic environment included intimidation, verbal abuse, and racist comments. Players went on the record with their allegations Monday in a story published in the Independent Florida Alligator. That's the school's newspaper there in Gainesville. This story detailed multiple instances which, again, the Florida Women's Basketball Program, players there or their parents went to administrators with concerns well before Neubauer offered his resignation, and that resignation came last July. Athletic Director Scott Strickland Acknowledged concerns were brought to administrators, and Neubauer was asked to make corrective actions. Strickland, in a statement, said, It is our responsibility to provide a championship experience with integrity, along with the necessary support for Gators, students, athletes, and support. The culture of the women's program under head coach Cam Neubauer, described in the Independent Florida Alligator article, is in no way consistent with the values of the University of Florida. These, again, the words of Scott Strickland, athletic director at UF. During his time, four years in Gainesville, Neubauer went 46-71 and as a head coach and never made the NCAA tournament. I'm surprised the guy wasn't fired just for that, but he ends up leaving. And according to this article, it details discriminatory statements toward black players, including an instance where he told black players he liked their hair but wouldn't touch it because he knew he wasn't supposed to. Another instant, Neubauer is accused of ordering his assistant coaches to take two black freshmen shopping because he did not think their clothing was appropriate. That according to this report. So some bad, bad press coming this week from the Florida Gators Athletic Department, specifically in this case with the women's basketball team, a program, frankly, that should be a lot better than it is at a school like Florida with the men's team winning multiple national championships this century alone. You would think Florida basketball from the women's side would be a whole lot better than it is. And maybe with all this stuff off the court, it kind of explains what in the heck's been going on there at UF. What's going on in Oxford? What's going on in Oxford, Mississippi, by the way? Matt Corral, that's what's going on. And we have, according to the bookies of the world, the first kind of data coming out on the projected Heisman Trophy. And Matt Corral, Mississippi quarterback, California kid, has emerged as the betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And he is going past in the Heisman Trophy projection going past his opponent that he faces this weekend. Bryce Young, quarterback of the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Both of these guys are front runners. Corral is the favorite at most sports book with an odds of plus 160. Followed closely by Young at 
odds of plus 200. At Caesars Sportsbook, Corral and Young are favorites at plus 180 to win the Heisman Trophy. So what a big game Saturday. It's the prime, well, I won't say prime time. It's prime time on CBS, not necessarily by the time, but it gets that coveted 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central Brad Nessler time kick on CBS from Bryant-Denny Stadium. The Mississippi Land Sharks, they load up their shark tank and take it on over to Tuscaloosa for a game against the Crimson Tide. This week, in terms of Major League Baseball, it's crunch time as the postseason is set next week. A quick look at the wild card. It looks like the Yankees are going to make it. Maybe, but it's a close contest. AL teams that have a chance at the wild card include the Yankees, Red Sox, Jays, Mariners, and Oakland Athletics. On the National League side, the picture is a lot clearer. The Los Angeles Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants, which if, which one of those two teams does not win the NL West, they get the wild card. They get one of the two wild card spots. And that other spot, unless the Sun doesn't come up tomorrow. It sure looks like the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be that other National League wild card team as they missed out on the NL Central. The Milwaukee Brewers won that division. But the Cardinals, thanks to their incredible win streak here of late, have earned a spot. It looks like. Can't write it in blood, but I definitely got it in pen, and I'm about to pull out my Sharpie. (laughs) That's a quick look at what's going on across the South from a sports standpoint. We're y'all. We talk about the South, and we will continue talking about the South. Up next, though, we're going to tell you some tips to help you get a job. As Brightside on YouTube's come up with a few things to help you get a job, that's coming up next. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than eighteen. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Lens S and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Lens S. Learn more at lensess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. about life in this small town the moon's so bright on this fall night trying to catch a glimpse of a star in flight singing every song on the radio ain't no place that we gotta go on a friday night there's a place i like that knows how to make me feel all right kicking it with some real good friends this is what i call my kind of weekend don't have to have a party crowd don't matter if our music's up loud can't believe we're so poor 
Sounds pretty fun to me. We're back on y'all. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, inviting you to go to our website, y'all.com, where we have all kinds of good and helpful information. And you know what? i got to tell you before we get out of here in the next segment, I'm going to tell you a whole lot more of what's up at the homepage of the South. But right now, we are going to talk a little helpful business news and helpful business tips as part of our Southern Business Spotlight. And there are so many jobs available, so many jobs available that it's hurting the rest of us who are out here working, the rest of us who are just trying to get by because of the shortage of the workforce. We're seeing supplies dwindle. We've all felt it. We've all gone in to maybe go do a little shopping somewhere, and they got a big sign on the door that says, whoops, we don't have enough people. Take your business on back home. Don't need you here. We're closed. I don't think I've seen any (laughs) signs that have said all that. But that's how I interpreted it when I saw it. I was pretty mad. I've been mad. I don't know what's going on. Of course, I knew what was going on early on when the federal government was giving out way more than it probably should have. And some people rightfully deserved whatever the need they had when times were tough for them during the virus. But my goodness, there comes a point in time you need to not get these unemployment benefits and you need to get get back to work. And some of these southern states, thankfully, have cut off that extra government assistance. And that may have something to do with it. But there are plenty of jobs. That's my point. There's plenty of jobs. There's plenty of good jobs out there. And if you're tired of fortunate, like that song says, and you're tired, you're just plain tired, you need a change of scenery. You need more money in your pocket. We have the perfect solution. It's called get a J-O-B and make your own money, get out of the house, do the right thing, and you just don't know what it will lead to. Not only will it help you get your bills paid, but you'll meet people, you'll become friends with people, You'll feel better about yourself, assuming you get a good job. And right now, because of the shortage of so many workers, so many places are paying more money for these jobs than they've ever paid. Factory jobs that are probably twice as high now as they were two years ago, at least in the entry level. Not all, but but a lot of them are. So with that in mind here on our Southern Business Spotlight, we thought we would help you out. If you're going to be going in for one of these job interviews, We have found, courtesy of the Bright Side on YouTube channel, five things that you should know that hiring professionals use during that interview, things they are evaluating you on, and you might not even know about it. So we're going to go here, a portion of this very helpful interview, again, what these folks are looking at. A lot of it has to do with your personal appearance. And that's why Brightside has taken the time to kind of highlight this is a portion of their helpful video. And for those of you, again, who need to go in soon and do one of these interviews, perhaps this will be a big help for you. What the colors of your clothes say about you. Sherry Masonave, head of Empowerment Enterprises, an image consulting firm based in Austin, Texas, says that the first impression happens in less than 30 seconds and is based entirely on your attire. This is why you should choose your clothes very wisely if you don't want to be out of the race before the interview begins. 
The first thing that matters here is color. Using the color of your clothes, you can influence other people however you want. The colors we choose for our business attire sends a strong message, according to Linda Goldman, business communications and etiquette consultant. So, you have to pay serious attention to the colors of your clothes you're going to wear for a job interview. If you choose clothes with contrasting colors, you could make a powerful and dominant impression. A success-oriented professional who likes to get things done quickly and to the point, well, this is what the HR manager will see you like. Pastel colors in clothes and makeup can help you win other people's trust. The most important thing is not to overdo it. Otherwise, you might seem childish and immature. Blue is probably the best color choice for a job interview. This is why uniforms and business suits are often blue. It's associated with reliability, confidence, competence, and expertise. Blue might not be the best choice for a creative job interview, though. They could consider you too conservative, so you might want to experiment with details and shapes if you want to wear blue and land that designer position. Otherwise, go for purple or yellow. Those colors stand for uniqueness, optimism, and creativity. Also mustard. Well, at least the yellow dot. The color red represents the life force and the inclination to be successful and efficient. This is the color of leadership and means that you are not afraid of standing out and attracting attention to yourself. However, for the first job interview, it's better to choose a deeper shade of red like maroon. This choice will make people think that you are wise, well-educated, and can help you earn the respect that you deserve. Dark clothes make your potential employer feel like you are a serious, reliable, and competent candidate. The worst color choice for a job interview, according to studies and opinions of specialists, is orange. It's often associated with something unprofessional. But don't say that to PGA golfer Ricky Fowler, who likes to wear orange on the final day of the tournament. Hey, he has 8 wins so far. Otherwise, maybe it's a good idea to save your favorite orange blouse for the weekend. What the style of your clothes says about you. Business suits are not always the best choice for a job interview, because the impression you may give the employer is that you are overqualified. This stereotype exists because, on a subconscious level, people think that only highly qualified workers with a lot of ambition dress in this manner. If a manager is hiring for a senior-level position, then this type of serious look may be advantageous. However, if you're looking for a job as a nurse or a shop assistant, this type of attire is inappropriate. HR specialists may think that your ambitions are too high for this position and will move on to the next candidate. If a woman wears a flower print dress and her hair long, she doesn't look like a successful leader. For most office jobs, these clothes are inappropriate. But if you are looking for a job teaching children or a creative job, this type of attire is not just appropriate, but also preferable. Speaking of prints, let's party like it's 1999. No, the other prints. Yeah, those prints. It's better to avoid animal ones, no matter what job you're looking for. Keep your leopard dress for a night out. All right, that's a pretty fun video. Got a lot more to it if you want to go look it up. It, again, is courtesy of Brightside, the YouTube channel. They've got over 41 million subscribers to the Brightside YouTube channel. And this is a video called What HR Managers Learn About You by Looking at Your 
clothes. So this video, if you want to believe what it said there, just proved orange is an awful color. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? It's definitely a terrible color when it comes to going in for a job interview. And he didn't like maroon either. So all of you volunteer fans, all of you big orange fans, or rather the the Texas Longhorn fans, and big orange as in te- Tennessee, uh, man, don't wear your colors to a job interview. He also bashed specifically maroon. All you Aggie fans, all you Mississippi State Bulldog fans, do not wear your school colors if you want the job. Maybe you don't want the job. Maybe this is a coup for you to go in there and, and get turned down so you can go back and maybe keep getting those unemployment checks. I'm not sure. But what a cool video. Again, it wasn't just about colors. He talked about there at the end, prints. Don't wear the leopard print outfit guys on your leopard print suits. Now, I think it was more for the ladies out there. And he didn't specifically bring this up. So I'm going to take it as I can get a thumbs up on wearing my seersucker suit next time I go in for a job interview. I'm trying to think if I've ever done that. I don't think I have. I traditionally go with the usually dark blue suit, white tie, red, white shirt, red tie. That's kind of the politician look. That's what I normally have worn for a, a big interview or a big meeting. I also like the dark gray suit, and therefore you can wear your navy blue or red tie. That's for the for the fellows. I don't know for the ladies out there. Y'all could text me, 803-816-1170. I'd love to hear what your kind of go-to combination is when it comes to your interview suit. Do you wear a dress? Do you wear a pantsuit? As a guy... I am a fan of both. You know, there's a lot of people who don't like the Kamala Harris pantsuit look, but I I think it looks kind of cool. I do like skirts. I like it all. And as far as the guys go, I like the conservative traditional look. But, yeah, on some of these creative jobs, I'm sure they don't even wear a dress shirt. It's more of a maybe a T-shirt and a sport coat over that T-shirt. But yeah, check this video when you get a chance out from Brightside, what HR managers learn about you by looking at your clothes. See, what you wear does matter. And it sure matters when you're trying to get somebody to pay you a bunch of money for a brand new job. You know what? I can't pay you money as much as I'd like to, but I can just ask you as a friend, would you mind sticking through the break? Because when we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to put on our Sunday best, or our interview best, and we're going to come right back and give you an idea of what's on the homepage of the South right now. It's y'all.com, and we just posted up a great, great feature story, a good travel story. And I'll tell you about that and some other fun stuff up right now at the homepage of the South, y'all.com. That's coming up next. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. 
dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly? Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. With a little love and some tenderness We'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist With a little peace and some harmony We'll take the world together, we'll take them by the hand Going to wrap up this second hour of our conversation about the South with a little y'all.com update. You know, at y'all, we have the homepage of the South, and we deliver great content that's from all over the South there. And if you haven't been to it, please go there. It's absolutely free. Four little characters on your keyboard, Y-A-L-L.com. And if you go there, you'll find... From this past weekend, we posted up the show Tricks of the Trade, and John Allen and Jimmy Duke were on there, and you can watch this, where they talk about galvanized gutters, tub installation, and all about fireplace dampers. Believe it or not, John Allen, the South's sage when it comes to home improvement, he actually almost burnt down a house one time because silly old John forgot to open up the fireplace damper. And he tells that story on this week's edition of Tricks of the Trade. That's a great, great show. You can go to y'all.com and watch that. Also at y'all, we just posted this up just hours ago. It's from travel writer Ann Brawley. And she has gone all the way to Bryson City in Western North Carolina. And she's got up a tremendous travel story perfect for this time of year we're about to get into october if you're planning on going to the smoky mountains of tennessee or western north carolina boy this is a great great place bryson city and that is not all that far from cherokee it's not all that far from maggie valley really not all that far from pigeon forge in tennessee but this story she goes there she takes in some of the sights and sounds she goes to hit the trails there. She's got a great, great story about the Deep Creek Recreation Area. She also went in and rode the rails. They have a great railroad there, the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad. Really cool vintage train there that takes you in that beautiful part of the state and goes through the charming village of Dillsboro. Also, she went to the Nantahala Outdoor Center and did a great kind of write-up on that. NOC.com is where you can learn more about that place. Then she went and kind of reviewed some of the great choices from a place where you can stay while you're in the area from the Lakeview at Fontana, which has a tremendous tub that you can get that you can sit there and soak in the beautiful tub water, but also soak in the scenes of that area of North Carolina. Also, the Everett Hotel. It's a boutique hotel with nine rooms. You can read all about this at the article up at y'all.com. And just so much stuff. You've got great resorts, great places to relax, and great food choices. All of this is broken down by travel writer Ann Brawley in her brand new article at y'all.com called Southern Travel, 
Bryson City, North Carolina. Please go, yeah, go there and check out this great place again in a very high-traveled tourist area of the South, and that is right there on display at y'all.com right now. Check it out. All right, some Carolina boys are going to get us out of here as Hootie's back here to send us to break and get you set up for our number three. Well, we've done this for two hours. Won't you say we get together for one mo? Hour three of the show about the South is underway. And we've got an exciting, almost too good to be true hour right here for you. Here coming up in just a few minutes, we've got Melissa Rhodes filing a Southern accent on the Southern arts and entertainment scene. We will be taking your text at 803-816-1170. And we're going to take you away to someone, uh, someplace that's oh so nice. We're going to take you to either the Caribbean or over to Bermuda or maybe even the Bahamas. As thanks to TravelAndLeisure.com, they put up an article, the top 25 resort hotels in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and the Bahamas. And you know what we're going to do as a little thank you to all y'all? We're going to let you enjoy thinking about those places, and we'll walk through that entire list that Travel and Leisure has published. You're going to have to go to that website and learn a lot more about them, these individual locations, but the top 25 resort hotels and those pretty places a long way from here, but an airplane will do the trick for you, unless you want to get a John boat and go on down there yourself. That's going to be a lot of fun as we walk through that in the next segment. Our number, 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. My name is John Rawl. I am the general of all things Southern. That's why they call me General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. Let's get into the headlines as we start out our third hour of today's Y'all show, we will pick up the headlines in Florida. And this is a story I've kind of intentionally not spent a lot of time on because, frankly, I don't know why this became a national story, sadly. And I'm going to tell you about another story that's not, not getting as much attention. This one just might be even more gruesome than the whole thing that's been all over the nation's headlines in recent days. I'm bringing this story up about Brian Laundry because it involves Dog the Bounty Hunter. Have y'all heard about this story? Let me tell you what's going on out of Florida. As the mother of Brian Laundry called it a shame that Dog the Bounty Hunter, the mother called 911 Saturday. Rather than answer, Dog the Bounty Hunter's knock on the family's front door. Audio emerged Monday indicating that Laundry's parents called 911 to report the presence of Dwayne Dog Chapman right there on their home in Northport, Florida. The female Roberta called in on 911, a dispatcher's heard saying on a radio recording, adding that he called 
the caller referenced a situation with the mail. There's even a photo of Dog the Bounty Hunter knocking on the door there. Police were in the immediate area when Roberta Laundrie made that call, and Dwayne Chapman told Fox News that he spoke with the Northport police before he arrived at the property. And according to him, it's a shame that they wouldn't speak with Dog the Bounty Hunter. The police said we were welcome to knock on the door, so we did. I wanted to tell the Laundries that our goal is to find Brian and bring him in alive. Dog the Bounty Hunter, he likes the camera, and he's there on TV, and he's knocking on doors. Now, there is a tip line for Dog the Bounty Hunter. If you want to make an anonymous tip about what's going on with Laundry, 833-TELL-DOG is the number. And that's for people who are hesitant to call authorities directly. However, anyone with information on Brian Laundrie's whereabouts is asked to contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI, or you can call 303-629-7171. Of course, Brian Laundrie right now being investigated for the death of his very brief girlfriend as she Evidently, her body found last week, and that was a big national story when that happened. Uh, this has been going on a couple of weeks, but the Gabby Petito, of course, his fiance, her body found out west, I think in uh, Teton Ridge, Wyoming, a uh, campsite there. But Dog the Bounty Hunter is on the scene. Moving on to this other story. This is a, another sad story. This involves a woman from Florida found dead in South Carolina, the woman's body found behind a fire station, 21-year-old Sheridan Wall. She was missing, found dead two days after reported missing last week as she was on a trip to visit her father in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but never made it to her destination. And her mother went on social media making a desperate plea. She was last seen on South Ocean in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Sheridan's body ended up being found in Pamlico, South Carolina. Cause of death not yet announced. The Florence County Sheriff's Office announced that Sheridan's car was found burned about 10 miles from where her body was discovered. Hmm, something's fishy here. Huh, so this is a story not quite getting that national attention of the other story that involved Wyoming, Utah, and Florida, but this one is pretty disturbing as well. Let's move on to some positive news. You remember the Holtz of NFL fame, Torrey and Terrence Holt? I know Torrey played wide receiver for the NC State Wolfback before he went off and played for the Super Bowl champion St. Louis Rams. Well, a construction company started by these former NFL players and brothers, Torrey and Terrence Holt, will build the project designed to honor the contributions of black Americans in North Carolina. Leaders of the North Carolina Freedom Park Initiative announced Monday that the black-owned Holt Brothers Construction has been awarded the contract to complete the $5.4 million project in Raleigh. The park is to be located between the executive mansion and the legislative building there in Raleigh, and it will be anchored by the Beacon of Freedom, a piece of public art that will be illuminated at night. Freedom Park's leaders broke ground last fall on this park. It's supposed to be completed by next year. The Holt brothers grew up in Gibsonville, North Carolina, and both played at NC State. Torrey was an All-American wide receiver, and he played on that 
Super Bowl winning Rams team of 2000. Their construction company has completed other projects such as the Durham County Library renovation and North Carolina Central University's new student center. Way to go, Tory Holt. Way to go, brother. And I don't remember his brother in the NFL at least, but what a good job there. Terrence Holt. Tory and Terrence with their Holt Brothers construction. And they are now being picked to design, or to, rather to build the project that's already been designed to honor the black Americans of North Carolina. What's crazy about this story is just down the road in Columbia, South Carolina, they built a black history monument there on the Statehouse grounds around 2000. So South Carolina's had over a 20-year jump on a black history monument. And you know what? I've hardly ever seen anything reported on South Carolina's black history monument. Hardly ever got talked about. In fact, it was built to counter the Confederate flag flying at the Confederate memorial. That's why it was built. And you know what? They moved the Confederate flag in Columbia, but the black memorial's still there. Hmm, I wonder how that works. All right, let's tell you about what's going on in Louisiana. A battered Grand Isle is closed to all but locals. Of course, Grand Isle right on the Gulf of Mexico. And right now, it's closed to all but people who live there are those who own camps there as residents, as that area was just pummeled recently by Hurricane Ida. In a posting on the town's website from the weekend, officials said the widespread devastation caused this town and all this, the, the leaders of the area, to make the decision to close Grand Isle, Louisiana. So I went there a couple of years ago for the first time. You've got to really be wanting to go there. It's one of only, I think, two spots in all of Louisiana where you can actually go out and get in the Gulf of Mexico. And the town leaders say 80% of the structures of Grand Isle sustained damage. I know it's hard to say it now, but Grand Isle, hang in there. Something tells me you'll be back bigger and better than ever before. Up next is a story that I have a personal connection to. This lady was never the first lady of Mississippi, but she married a former governor. And I had a chance to get to know her briefly. I got the chance to know the former governor for a while, Governor Ronnie Musgrove, who was a Democratic governor of Mississippi 20 years ago. He lost his reelection to Haley Barber. And the wife of Ronnie Musgrove has died at age 61. Melody Bruce Musgrove. She died at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, where she was being treated for leukemia. Melody Musgrove served as the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Special Education's Program Director from 2010 to 2016. And she's died of leukemia, this Mississippi woman, Melody Bruce Musgrove. Now, here's the funny story I'll tell about her and her husband, Ronnie Musgrove, who was, or is, Ronnie Musgrove, former governor, a Batesville, Mississippi native. I got a chance to know Ronnie. I did some TV work with the former governor. And I know that he was divorced. His first wife and he divorced, I think, right around the time that he stopped being governor. And it was, a, I think, a messy divorce. 
He was married to a woman named Melanie, and they divorced after 24 years of marriage in 2001. I think he got divorced while he was actually governor. And it was kind of a kind of a news story. So I got to know Ronnie Musgrove, the former governor who served as Mississippi's governor from the year 2000 to 2004. He's Mississippi's 62nd governor and had been a lieutenant governor prior to being elected governor. He was actually lieutenant governor, a Democrat under Republican Kirk Fordyce before he got elected statewide as governor of the Magnolia State. So Ronnie Musgrove's first wife, he and Melanie divorced 2001. A couple of years later, he goes from Melanie to Melody, who was a doctor, and he married Melody. And here's why I bring this story up. I knew him at this same time period that he and Melody were an item. And I was also having a lady in my life at that time, pretty hot and heavy. And I got engaged, and I set a wedding date, and I sent a wedding invitation to Ronnie Musgrove and his girlfriend. And he did not show up at my wedding. And I was, nah, I wasn't hurt. But it would have been pretty cool to have the former governor of the state at your wedding back in, in this case, 2007. And so he didn't show up at my wedding, at my big grand wedding in Oxford, Mississippi. Well, about three weeks after my wedding, I get a call from Ronnie Musgrove. And he said, hey, John, sorry I missed your wedding. I'm like, yes, sir, that's, that's, fine. that's fine. You're a busy man, I understand. He said, well, you didn't ask me why I missed your wedding. And I said, no, sir, I sure didn't. I just assume you must have been um, off doing something. You're a former governor. You've got a lot of stuff going on. You actually teach at the University of Mississippi, and you teach at the Mississippi College School of Law in Jackson. You, you do all kind of things there, Governor Musgrove. He said, well, I didn't come to your wedding because I was in Italy getting married myself. And that's where he and Dr. Melody Bounds Musgrove got married a couple of days before I did back in 2007. And they kind of had a hush-hush wedding when they went all the way to Europe and got married. So I haven't actually seen him since that time period, but uh, I'm sorry to hear that his wife passed away this week. And it brings up another personal story that also has made some headlines this week up. Great friend of the program, a great friend of mine. He also passed away in the last couple of days in North Mississippi. Bill Fitch. And his daughter is the attorney general for the state of Mississippi, Lynn Fitch. And she's been in the news because we told you about this a few weeks ago. She was essentially fighting with her stepmother, a man a woman that Mr. Fitch married about five years ago. And there's been a news story about all that that lawsuit that Lynn Fitch, the attorney general, had against her own stepmother has been evidently dropped or is in the process of being a drop. Mr. Fitch passed away, sadly, the other day, and a great southerner. He taught me about bird hunting. I'm talking about with the field trial type bird hunting. And I rode, this boy here rode about 25 miles one time out chasing dogs and birds and, oh, Man, I don't ever want to go to Grand Junction, Tennessee again. No, I'm just kidding. 
that wasn't Grand Junction's fault. That's the home, by the way, of the field trial world championship. But Mr. Fitch taught me that bird hunting, at least the field trial thing, is the biggest waste of money known to mankind. And you know what? He was right there wasting money doing it and proud to do it. As he called it, it's a southern gentleman's sport. William O. Bill Fitch passed away. His funeral was held Monday in Holly Springs, Mississippi, and one of my partners at y'all and and really the first business partner I've, I've lost. So I'm going to gonna hate that. A great American, a Korean War veteran, got shot down twice in that conflict. Bill Fitch, rest in peace, sir. Also, let's fill you in with other non-John Rawl-related stories. How about that? I'm just telling you what shows up in the news, y'all. I'm not trying to make this too personal. But I did learn a few things there in my time hunting birds with Mr. Fitch. (laughs) All right, let's tell you about Amtrak. Amtrak is going to have a new line that goes from Richmond to Washington, D.C. three times a day. Now, this is... Maybe one of the only good things Governor Ralph Northam has done in Virginia. He announced this. I guess he's got his buddy and Amtrak's biggest fan in the White House, Joe Biden, the guy that used to ride Amtrak every week back to wherever he's from in Delaware. I guess it's Wilmington. Yes, Amtrak going from D.C. to Richmond three times a day, as this will bring rail service along the Northeast Corridor bigger and better. And now a new regional route that offers early morning service from the Main Street Station to, and that's in Richmond, to the district. I guess it goes right in to the heart of D.C. The Northeast Regional Route 51, its first train departed Monday at 535 in the morning. And you know what? Governor Northam actually got up early and went down there to see this. So he is doing something in his closing months in office and, of course, all those folks in Northern Virginia know how crowded I-95 can get there in Northern Virginia, all the commuters going into the nation's capital. And this train, according to Northam in a statement, offers quick, reliable service from Richmond to Washington, connecting two cities and making it easier for thousands of Virginians to get to work in the morning. Virginia is leading the nation in expanded access to high-performance rail and Governor Northam says he looks forward to many more milestones ahead. I wonder what the cost of that is. I bet you you can buy some kind of pass, and it wouldn't be quite so expensive traveling that route each and every day. But, man, if you are right there, let's say, in Midlothian or somewhere in, let's see, Dumfries, that's that's where I like to spend the night when I go to D.C. in a car. It's just far enough away from the district to be affordable, but close enough to where you can get to downtown D.C. or any of the suburbs in about 30 to 40 minutes. I'm a big fan of Dumfries. I even have a pretty good restaurant there, a chain restaurant that I'd never seen until I got there. I think it's called, and I better double check because I don't want angry calls and letters and also don't want you all saying, John, what in the world are you doing going to this kind of place while you're always promoting the South? Well, it wasn't my choice. It was my traveling companion's choice to go here. And you know what? He liked it. So if he liked it, that's good enough for me. But I believe the place is called California Pizza Kitchen. 
I'm pretty sure that's it. And we went there and had a good meal. They're not quite so heavy in the South. They hardly have any locations of this chain, California Pizza Kitchen. But I'm going to their website. They have over 14,000 employees. I don't have a count on the number of franchises they have, but uh, started back in 1985. So all of you probably out West are very familiar with California Pizza Kitchen. I'm pretty sure that's what I found when I stopped off in Dumfries. And we only went there because my traveling companion didn't want to go to Chick-fil-A, which was in the same parking lot. (laughs) So I'm okay with that. Something different when you travel. But yes, my point of bringing all that up is if you're a Northern Virginia, truly right there on the outskirts of D.C., the drive can be dreadful. That's why a lot of people do use the rail systems there, the local, whatever they call their subway system in D.C. But now, thanks to a new Amtrak line connecting the state capital of Virginia to the nation's capital, and that goes three times a day, you can live in Richmond and get to D.C. probably in an hour and a half on this train and not deal with any kind of traffic. That's a pretty good option, I think. And maybe that's going to make Richmond get to be even hotter than it is, although it's a city that likes to take down every statue they got except for Arthur Ashe, and they put up new ones here. A city that once was proud to be home of the Confederacy doesn't want that word being mentioned in today's world, but they are all about Amtrak. This week, Ralph Northam getting up early to see Amtrak off. Let's take you from the capital of Virginia to West Virginia, and we'll take you to the home of the Mountaineers, Morgantown, West Virginia. Researchers at WVU are vying to overcome the final hurdle in connecting renewable energy to the power grid by what they call greenifying the production of hydrogen. Dr. Lee there, L-I, at the university, or at West Virginia University, forgive me, says that they have a good source of renewables and a huge market for hydrogen, but the barrier is that we cannot connect them. So the technology that they have is is like a bridge in the middle. You take electricity from renewables and transform them into hydrogen. And this work, again, taking place in Morgantown, West Virginia, at West Virginia University as assistant professor Winyan Lee assembles a solid oxide electrolysis cell. That's a device that uses electricity to split water into hydrogen and oxygen to generate green, high-purity hydrogen. And that's going on right now. And if these researchers are successful, they hope to build the bridge to a greener future with clean, beautiful, wonderful hydrogen. And that's something we all can say, woo, that was done right there in the mountain state of West Bagale, Virginia. <laughs> All right, that's a look at some headlines here to start you out our number one of the Y'all Show. Hey, when we come back, you don't want to miss the fun. As we here at the South, we're proud of our region. We're proud of all of our tourist destinations. We've got some good places. we got some beautiful places here in the South. But if the South is a, it's getting just a little old for you, you, you really just need an escape outside of the country, frankly, for a few days. Hey, we have a great article that's been published at TravelAndLeisure.com. It is an article titled, 
the top 25 resort hotels in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and the Bahamas. And you know what? Because I like y'all, almost borderline love y'all, probably do love y'all in most cases, I'm going to take time out here on the show that's all about the South, and I'm going to walk you through these incredible places in the Caribbean, maybe even in Bermuda, a place that I still desperately would like to go one day. Because I remember growing up, they always used to say, Bermuda, it's off the coast of South Carolina. Well, you know what? It is. But it's way, way off the coast of South Carolina. I think you'd have to fly there. You wouldn't want to get there in a boat. But I am intrigued by the place that they, I guess, everybody there wears Bermuda shorts, or they should. And so this article looks at resort hotels in the Caribbean, in Bermuda, and throughout the entire nation of the Bahamas. And boy, there's some really cool private islands in that area that we'll share with you. And that, for sure, it's not off the coast of South Carolina. The Bahamas, of course, right off the coast of good old Florida. And we'll be walking you through that article when we come back as we cruise the South. And don't forget, we have plenty more coming here as we get ready to send this show into the history books. As this third hour hour of y'all, we've got Melissa Rhodes. She's got a Southern accent on the arts and entertainment world. And we'll have her dropping by to talk about some good stuff on the arts world. Can't wait to hear about that. In fact, I got a little preview. The artist that she's going to be talking about, you need to pay attention to because he is one heck of a blues artist and he's still making music and he's got a connection to more than one Southern state and she's going to tell you all about him. She's going to actually cue up some audio that this very talented singer and musician, I can't give you the name. I know you want me to, but that's going to be coming up in just a few minutes here on the show all about the South. And then as we get out of here for this third hour, want to remind you, you can text us at 803-816-1170. And that's a number you can text anytime as we are available right here on y'all, not only on great radio stations, but you can find us on the iHeart app, the TuneIn Radio app, Spotify, Stitcher, and the Apple Podcast app. The Y'all Show with John Rawl continues after this break. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
I won't be bored, and you don't need to be bored across the Southland, thanks to this feature that we're about to lay on you. Thank you, Shadaisy, for setting me up here. We're back on Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern, and we love our South. In hour two, I was just bragging on Bryson City, North Carolina. We got a great feature story that Ann Brawley has just filed, and that's on the homepage right now of y'all.com. We love our southern destinations. They are incredible. But some of y'all, as much as you love this part of the world, you just got a hankering to get out of it from time to time. And Travel and Leisure has given us a great article to spend a few minutes telling you about some destinations. Not only are they not in the south, these destinations ain't even in the lower 48, if you will, of the United States. As Travel and Leisure's writer Sarah Gabadon has penned the article that's posted at travelandleisure.com, the top 25 resort hotels in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and the Bahamas. Now, some of you might be maybe planning that big wedding and you need an escape, a place to go to. Those may be some of the places being considered in this article. But these, again, are the top 25 hotels and destinations, what they call resort hotels. I should be clarifying that right now. And these are available for you in the southeast. That would be in the southeast of the southeast. So let me walk through a lot of these places. Some of them have pretty long and fancy names. First off, in the Bahamas. This is pretty close by if you don't want to be stuck on a plane a long time. Camalame K, and that is on Andros Island in the Bahamas. Travel and leisure readers call this an amazing experience that is truly paradise. This is a 97-acre private island resort with just 20 accommodations. It's got a mixture of bungalows, beach houses, cottages, and villas. In the Bahamas, Camalame K, K-A-M-A-L-A-M-E, K. C-A-Y, by the way, is how that's spelled. And it looks beautiful. I mean, it's breathtaking there in the Bahamas. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this up here today is because we are about to turn into some pretty cold, cool months. And I'm telling you this now, so when, let's say, February arrives and you've gone through the holidays and you've got to get out of here, you might want to go ahead and start researching places to go. You might want to start booking some of these places right now. So again, I'm John Rawl. I'm here to help you out. I'm in the hepping business, y'all. So check this out, this article at travelandleisure.com and this destination in the Bahamas. Let's move on to Jamaica, Mon. And right there in Jamaica, a resort worth checking out according to Travel and Leisure, Round Hill Hotel and Villas in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Another option, St. Lucia, Jade Mountain. I see the picture of this thing. Boy, that looks really cool. And St. Lucia. Where in the world is St. Lucia? Let me, I might have to check there. You know, I love my country, but when we start getting out of the country and we start looking at the Caribbean and I love maps, there are so many of these little islands that frankly, it it gets kind of confusing at times where the heck some of these places are. St. Lucia is sandwiched between Martinique and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. This is 
way on out there. This is almost that far eastern chain of islands before you get to Africa. So this is essentially due north of the country of Venezuela. And I have not been to St. Lucia. And it's got a lot of big mountains, it looks like there. And right there, if you're able to go to St. Lucia, check out Jade Mountain. Boy, breathtaking. Another place on St. Lucia, Cap Maison. And it has made the list of places worth checking out as far as resorts in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and more. Back to Jamaica and Tenzing Pen in Negril, Jamaica has made the list. St. Bart's. Now, St. Bart's, I think that's the one that I want to go to sometime because I think it is technically part of France. I know it's a French-speaking island, but it's, let's see here, maybe it's not. One of those islands, yeah, I think that is it. It's It might be the most exclusive of all the Caribbean islands, St. Bart's. It's got one airport that's pretty tough to fly in there, but St. Bart's, down in the Caribbean, beautiful place. And again, Hotel Le Tony on St. Bart's has made the list of resorts, the, the top-rated resorts that you might want to check out here. The top 25 resort hotels in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and Bahamas, Sarah Gabadon, pinning this article for travelandleisure.com. Moving away from St. Bart's, we go to Anguilla, and you've got the Frangipani Beach Resort on Meads Bay. Another stunning, stunning place. Okay, maybe doing a show about the South ain't all it's cracked up to be. Maybe we need to be doing a show about all these Caribbean places. I mean, gosh, I'd like to be president of the Caribbean. Golly, how beautiful are these places? Of course, right now with hurricanes possibly about to hit them, not necessarily the best time of year to be in places like this. I think the latest one is Sam, but I think it might scoot past all of these areas. And that's, that's a good thing. Up next, back to Jamaica, we go Mon and Jamaica Inn on Osho Rios. It's on the list of resort hotels that are part of travel and leisure's top 25 Turks and Caicos point grace on grace Bay in Turks and Caicos has made the list. How about to Dominica And there you'll find Secret Bay Portsmouth on Dominica. Now, what are they calling Dominica? Because I thought Dominica was an island of which the Dominican Republic and Haiti share. Okay? I just learned something. There is an island called Dominica, and it is halfway between Guadalupe and Martinique, north of St. Lucia, which I referred a few minutes ago. So there there are lots and lots of islands for sure in this part of the world. And there you have it. Um, all right. So let's move on again back to travel and leisure. Another great resort is Le Bartholomew Hotel and Spa on St. Bart's. Another wonderful, beautiful place for y'all to go check out sometime when you get a chance all right up next as we continue on with this list again great places when it gets to be zero degrees outside and let's say you have another ice storm like many in texas had last year 
you might be better off at one of these places. But you better book now. All right, also on the list, it's number 12, actually, Aruba's Bakuti and Tara Beach Resort. Lovely place. Looks like it's got plenty of beachfront for you to lay out and get your tan perfected. Back to St. Bart's, La Cyrano on Grand Cul-de-Sac on St. Bart's. It's on the list of top 25 Caribbean resorts. Grand Cayman Islands, the Palm Heights Resort on Grand Cayman is a wonderful choice according to Travel and Leisure. Also at St. Lucia, the Anne's Chastanet Resort. Beautiful place. Really, really does a great job of blending in the kind of mountainous area along with the beach there at that destination. Back to St. Bart's. The Eden Rock St. Bart's is on the list. Beautiful, beautiful place. How about Half Moon on Jamaica? That's at Montego Bay. Looks like they got an Olympic-sized swimming pool for all their guests there. In case you aren't having a good enough time at the beach, you can work in a couple of miles in the pool if you'd like. (laughs) Jumbie Bay Island on Antigua and Barbuda. That is on the list as a wonderful place. This destination is calling your name. Also on the list of great resorts in the Caribbean and Bermuda, although I haven't yet called out a Bermuda destination, the Seven Stars Resort and Spa, that's Turks and Caicos is where you'll find this one, and it is yummy. St. Lucia's Sugar Beach, a Viceroy Resort. It's on the list as one of the great places to go. In the Dominican Republic, Eden Rock at Cap Cana on Punta Cana, that's on the list as a great place to go. Also, again, this is all coming from Travel and Leisure, their website, travelandleisure.com, a list of the 25 resorts worth checking out. Cap Julica, a Belmont hotel, and that is on Anguilla. In Antigua and Barbuda, the Curtin Bluff Resort. Got plenty of swimming pools for you to choose from here, it looks like, at this place. That looks like a great place, especially come mm, December 26th. We're letting Santa Claus come see us December 25th. Then we're getting out there on an airplane and going south. All right, wrapping up our list of great places in Turks and Caicos, the Grace Bay Club, great place. And lastly here on this list from Travel and Leisure in Anguilla, the Zimmy Beach House, Shoal Bay East. It makes the cut here on Travel and Leisure's top 25 resort hotels in the Caribbean, Bermuda, and the Bahamas. And if you're keeping score, almost all of these were in the Caribbean. There was, I think, one place in Bermuda. If you're keeping score, of course, most all of these were from Caribbean islands. There were none from Bermuda, and there, I think, was one Bahama resort listed on the top 25 resort hotels as penned by Sarah Gabadon, of Travel and Leisure. This article you can find at travelandleisure.com. And it has gotten me rather, rather envious of people like her who get to maybe go to these places and visit them in person and write about them and get all of us envious, all of us envious of just visiting for a few days or maybe just living there. As much as we love the South, boy, How cool is it that we're not all that far from this beautiful part of the world, the Caribbean. 
We'll be right back, y'all. More of the show about the South is headed your way. Melissa Rhodes has a Southern accent on Southern arts, and it's coming up next. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Southern Accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Robert Cray is a Columbus, Georgia-born, Newport News, Virginia-raised guitarist and vocalist that fronts the Robert Cray Band, winners of the Soul Blues Album category at the 2021 Blues Music Awards. The RCB's That's What I Heard, out on Nozzle Records, is a 12-track work that's climbed to number one on Billboard's Top Blues Album Chart. A vintage interview on Guitarist's YouTube channel explains Robert Cray's playing style. The old seasoned singer with that has vibrato and it's kind of over-exaggerated, you know, like, ah. I, I think that's how my playing is going these days because I find myself playing the vibrato and bending the strings like an old person singing. And almost to the point, sometimes I think of almost pulling it out of, out of tune. <laughs> and I catch myself on occasion doing that. Entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com. That's one talented fellow right there. Robert Cray, how about that? Hey, Melissa, thank you for sharing that with us here. We love to spotlight our great and talented Southerners right here on the Y'all Show. We're going to wrap up this Tuesday Y'all Show. Hang on, one teeny tiny segment left, and then we're off, but we'll be right back here for the Wednesday show before you know it. So hold on. More of the show about the South is up after this break. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. 
803-816-1170. That is how you can text us anytime, anywhere. We've got people ready to take your text and share the Southern goodness here on the show all about the South. This is y'all. I'm General John Rawl, the general of all things Southern on this show powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. We've hit the spot where we got to get ready to get out of here and go feed the dogs. But let me tell you what's coming up on the Wednesday Y'all Show. We will have both a look at news and sports headlines from across the region. We also have coming up on the Wednesday Y'all Show a little hashtag hullabaloo where we go on social media and get all the fun stuff and share it with everybody out there. We also have Melissa Rhodes tomorrow. She'll be sharing with us some good Southern cultural stuff. Can't wait to hear what she's got lined up for that. Also on the Wednesday Y'all Show, our barbecue barrister is scheduled to be back. Matt Hermans does an unbelievable job of covering the South's food and cuisine, if you will, especially when it comes to barbecue. And we'll have him on the Wednesday Y'all Show. And we'll also get him to talk about the Big 12. Oklahoma is barely hanging in there. Of course, Big 12 doing a little bit better than the ACC with the ACC having three teams currently in the top 25 and they are in positions 23 24 and 25 big 12 at least has oklahoma in the top five goodness sakes so we got that coming up on wednesday we'll be taking a look at all the new reads according to the new york times as part of our southern book report we also have some great things of inspiration coming on our wednesday y'all show we'll do it right here same time same station you can listen to the show on great radio stations thank you for all of our great affiliates who carry this thank you for all of our great listeners of those great radio affiliates and of course we're available in podcast form the y'all show is found on the TuneIn app the iheart radio app the also find on the let's see here the apple pad apple podcast app We're available in Stitcher, Spotify, and your other favorite podcast apps. Just search for, simply search for y'all.com. No, I'm sorry. Search for y'all show powered by y'all.com and you'll be able to find it. And it's absolutely free for you to get our podcasts. So do that if you will. That concludes this show. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Have a great rest of y'all's day. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.